three, two, one. Gotta click the button. G'day everybody, welcome back to Paddlecast. Very, very excited. It's 12 Towers weekend and we've got one of the finest ocean paddlers in the world here in the Supracer studio. We welcome today the reigning Molokai to Oahu grand champion and probably one of the best foilers in the world. He does a bit of everything. But uh, the reason we wanted to chat with him today is not just because he's a champion off the water, but he's done some amazing things off the water over the past couple of years. James Casey, welcome to the studio, mate. How are you? Yeah, good. Thanks for having me. It's um, exciting to get here. See it in the flesh. Yes. Yeah. Ready for the uh, bit of wind coming on the weekend? 12 Towers. How good. Yeah, yeah. I'm really excited. It was looking not so good about seven days ago and the forecast has swung around and yep, no grinding. It's going to be fun, I think. I hope. So, yeah. Well, the um, the pressure was kind of on you if we got the forecast wrong because <laughs> you're actually a meteorologist, right? You've been given uh, the crew organising this event the heads up in advance, right? Yeah, I helped out in picking of the cut as well because we had another sort of dodgy forecast and I guess PZ heard, and I've done a few trips with PZ, you know, as I used to work as a meteorologist. So I'm like, mate, just hold off. There's a you know low pressure system unstable it's gonna whatever happens the forecast is gonna be bad until three days out so from thursday i said let's have a look at it then happy days it's all come come good south east for sunday suddenly on saturday and hopefully the rain stays away yeah i really hope the rain stays away or this live stream is going to be very poor what <laughs> what are you more excited about the sup downwind or the foil downwind because we're potentially running both yeah um Probably, oh, to be honest, that, that's the beauty of doing both and doing everything is that it's all exciting. The whole weekend, to be honest, that you've got the tech race Saturday morning, foil downwind Saturday afternoon, and, and then the sup race Sunday, um, jam-packed, and every single one of them, they're, they're probably, that's probably my three favourite disciplines from for like sup racing, you know, mm. tech race, three waves, um, downwind foil, and downwind sup. Um, yeah. We just have to make this race an unlimited race, and then we... Maybe add another race, put an unlimited <laughs> in, and then we're, that'll, like, that pretty much, I'll be a happy man. Perfect, perfect event. How did a meteorologist become a world champion paddler? Well, the reason I got into meteorology, because I was always looking at the forecast and the wind. Um, grew up as a surfer, went to uni and did climate science, and uh, really it was all just about what, was, what I was interested in. When I was growing up, I was surfing a lot, and I, was, I got into kite surfing, so I really wanted to know what the wind was doing. You know, yeah, surf right. in the morning, kite in the afternoon kind of thing. And so my dad and my parents were like, you know, go to uni and do something you're passionate about. Yeah. So um, environmental science, majored in climate science, and then got a just a casual job at WeatherZone, working as a meteorologist, which was super fun, really interesting, but um, can't do it all now. Prefer, yeah. If you're going to choose one, I'd probably prefer to paddle than be a meteorologist. Well, now every time there's an event on, everyone's hassling you for the forecast. Yeah, I've got to start charging. Yeah. <laughs> you do a professional service. Yeah. Now, um, speaking of big events, 12 Towers this weekend is probably one of Australia's, um, it's got to be one of the longest running races in Australia. Mm. The eighth year now. Yeah, um, I, I was a late starter. I've only done, this will be my third 12 Towers. I just, I don't know why I missed it. Maybe Hawaii was on. I was always doing the sunset surfing comp or, yeah, um, yeah. But I've, I remember, I always watched it, but yeah. my first one was the flat year a couple of years ago. Then last year we got some really nice That was wind. horrible, 2018. Oh, man. I, and, you know, I was telling Peasy that year yeah. there was a northeasterly breeze forecast. Yeah. And I said, look, it's going to be light until about sort of 12 o'clock. And by about, so I said, hold off the start for as long as you can. Yeah. And the wind came in at about 12.45. We started at like and 11. We finishing. We started at like 11. 
Yeah. And I remember finishing and the, just as you come around um, the North Burley headland, uh, the wind started puffing <laughs> up. And I'm on, I was riding, riding Unlimited, me yeah. and um, Ty were just hoping the wind was going to come. Like, please, please, the wind pick up. And then we didn't. Like, we were dreaming. Um, but I hadn't done the I hadn't done the time on a flat water board in the ocean, so I'm like, I'm just gonna hope the wind comes and use my unlimited and Was that your Molokai prep? You're on an unlimited. That was my plan, you know. Like, well, that was the year that I really wanted just wanted to put everything in. I was aiming for a, a Molokai um podium that year, twenty eighteen. And I was that was my goal. I didn't have any other international races, so I was like, I got twelve towers and Yeah. If I'm gonna race an unlimited for Molokai, it could be flat for Molokai, so I'll race an unlimited for twelve towers and it hurt. <laughs> So going back a few years with Molokai, that was the year you would have been battling Trav, right? Travis and Connor. Yeah. Yep. And I uh, actually had a really good battle with T2 and Lincoln And Lincoln in the was there. That, that's yeah. when he pulled out injured? Both Lincoln and T2 pulled out injured. Yeah. yeah. Um, kind of as I pulled away from him. I'm yeah. saying that they... <laughs> you broke their spirit? Connor, uh, well, I, I think, it was, uh, amongst other things, um, I know T2 had a stomach issue and Lincoln bunk shoulder. Yeah, Lincoln paddled pretty well. That's still his profile photo on Facebook. <laughs> yeah, grabbing his <laughs> grabbing his shoulder at Molokai. If you look, I just noticed the other day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. wow, he's got some demons to overcome at Molokai. Yeah, he's fired up by the sounds of it for this year, which is cool. I like it when Lincoln's fired up for a goal. He, he's a he's an animal of an athlete, and he's it's cool to see him fired up for something paddleboarding and not so much sailing, which I know he's enjoying as well. Yeah. It's not going to be easy to defend your title. Not at all. Last year, your boys year, heading over this year. Yeah, last year was you know pretty light on really. Obviously, Boothy was there, which you know. He's I mean, you beat the world number one. Yeah, that's not oh, too, I'm very not glad. Too that, I'm really glad that Boothy was there. But you know, Travis pulled out. Connor was at um, Panamera, Pan Ams, and you know, Kenny was there too, which you know he's always a strong showing, and, and mm. Josh on a fourteen as well. He's an animal. You yeah. can never really write him off. So you know, but. Yeah, it's, it's a, it, it sort of does this, Molokai. It sort of comes and goes and people come and get excited about it and then it's too hard mm. or they have a bad result. So they put off it or they have a bad experience and it's, um, you got to stick at it, I reckon, you know, and just sort of that's how you really learn and get better at it. And, you know, I'm, Kenny's, he'll be doing his well, second in a row at least. Yeah, he's done it a few times. Yeah, he's done it a few and it doesn't, he's doing it on a one man as well, so. Interesting to see how he goes this year as well. But yeah, nah, always, I love Molokai. Just, we watched your um, Yukon River Quest. Oh, yes. Premiere last night. And you attempted to sign up? Not this year. <laughs> <laughs> one day. It's, it's too close to Molokai, Matt, you know. If when I'm gonna you try retired <laughs> from serious racing. Yeah, I'd be, it's seriously one of those things. But I was saying earlier that <coughs> Molokai is not a elite, I was like ultra marathon by any means. Mm. Not an ultra by any means, but it, there is that level of, you know, you've got your high point and everyone's going to experience a low point at one stage. Yeah. So it's, it's definitely one of those races where you're going to feel good at one point and then all of a sudden, for no ex explicable reason, you're just going to fall into a hole. Conditions might change. <laughs> nutrition might be no good. Yeah. Um, but some might say so maybe just a boat wash. I've had that plenty of years where... I'm going really well. And then a boat wash just sort of knocks you out of your rhythm and you just get angry at the boat. And you're like, oh, <laughs> you start yelling at your boat, you start yelling at everyone. And then you're like, it's not about them. It's about yourself inside and what's actually going on. And yeah, that's, that's what I've, and that's, I guess what I was saying about doing it back to back years for, I did it five years in a row. I learned so much every year. I'm still learning stuff. Um, who was your best teacher or who did you look at? Who did you look at and say, I've got to do what they're doing? Oh, Travis is obviously, 
yeah. the man. Like he's he gives away enough, <laughs> so you have to do a lot yourself. But to be honest, um, when I first started, Dave Klarman was he came and did a sort of a trip, a tour in Australia, and um, I was with JP at the time, and JP and Imagine were sort of paired up together, so we did a little trip together. Yeah, and he was doing a bunch of talks and. He was talking about concentration while paddling downwind. And I asked the question, I was like, so how do you stay focused for four hours paddling downwind? Because I was just new to downwind paddling. And I'm like, how do you focus on that bump just in front of you the whole time and not, you know, just, just, you know, oh, got to, and then as soon as you, if you just drift off, yeah. your rhythm's gone and everything just goes to shit. You're looking at someone else, rhythm's gone. You're looking at your boat, you're talking to your boat, rhythm's gone. So it's, that's probably the biggest thing is the rhythm, but. What was his secret? Because I could have used that in the Yukon. <laughs> he didn't have a secret. He just said you have to do it more. Yeah. You have to do it more often as you do it more and more with time and you put yourself in those experiences, race experiences and and paddle downwind a lot. It just becomes second nature. You can zone into it. Um, Marcus Tarju has a a different theory. He just says, just pop no-dos, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is there nothing like focusing that being... Well, the caffeine high, and I don't drink coffee, so he's like, "Mate, you have a no dose, and you'll be wide for the whole race." So it's just like, "What's no dose caffeine?" Just like it's taking just a, ten it's Red Bulls. It's just a caffeine pill, just yeah. a tablet. So none of the nasty stuff, I guess, but just just a caffeine spike. Yeah, <laughs> so he he's an animal. He just, <laughs> but you know, doing the doctor or king of the cat, he's like, <laughs> <laughs> dealing him at the start line. <laughs> I don't know how he's a caffeine addict, um, but yeah, he's um, that's always been his advice. The f- in the year I came third in Molokai, I had a no fourth when Marcus was on the boat. I had a caffeine gel, so it was just a year that um, I was riding a deep, yep. sprayed as a JP, and there was uh, <laughs> there's a bit of that going on at Molokai. There was Nottage, <laughs> um, Matt Nottage, Toby Cracknell, yep. Vinny, and myself were all battling for I guess it was fifth place, mm-hmm. no fourth place, fourth place because Connor Lincoln that year no. Was it no, Lincoln was good in the flat year. Was Kai there that year? Kai. It would have been Connor. It would have been Connor. Kai Trav and Ka- Yeah. It's probably the year Kai won it. I think you're right. Yeah. Mm. And But I remember all four of us converging Yeah. at the end. But prior to that, about an hour earlier, I couldn't see anyone. I was coming ninth or eighth or ninth. I couldn't see anyone in front of me. And I was just, as I was saying before, I was in this massive hole. Yeah. I just, there was just no reason why. But mentally, I wasn't there. I had a good start. And then a boat wash came and I might have fallen in and a water change or something. And then just the wheels, everything just unraveled. And I was just yeah. paddling and Marcus was on the boat that year because he was, um, he made our boards. He designed them for deep and he came over and it's like, oh, I'm over here. I might as well get in the boat. Yeah. And no one on the boat knew what to say to me because <laughs> I was just, just paddling. You and I you were really having a shock. I wasn't accelerating onto bombs, So I just was just out of it and couldn't see anyone in front. And I had a caffeine gel. Marcus, because I it was the plan. I'd have a bit of caffeine because p- spike me up towards the end. And like Marcus goes, you need some caffeine? I'm like, yeah, I'll have a gel. So I had a gel. And whether the caffeine actually did anything or just mentally it just got me out of the hole. Yeah. I was fired up and I mowed down. I caught up to Toby just coming into China, like coming into the, the headwind section and then passed Nottich just as we're coming around the corner. And then I passed Vinny at China Wall <laughs> on a wave. And... Nottich and Vinny were just broken. They were just, they fell apart, the upwind section. They fell off, like one to catch a wave, then fall off, the other to catch a wave, then fall off. And then Toby and I sort of raced all the way to the finish. And that for me was like, probably at the time was like a really, 
uh, fourth place. Like it wasn't the podium even, but for me it was a big result mm. because all four of us coming around the corner together and managed to, to win that little battle was, yeah. a, was a good feeling for sure. What's it like when you hit China walls? For, for people that don't know, Molokai is a 32-mile race, 53Ks, but the last couple of Ks is just a nightmare. Yeah, everyone talks about it and talk about hitting the what wall. What happens? So mainly, basically, the wind's blowing over your right shoulder the whole time. So it's That's almost you, a straight down window. It's, it's not like M2M's a straight down window. You're pretty much, you're, quart- you're quartering right the whole time. But it's so you're going got, downwind. you got to catch a bump and surf right. Catch mm. a bump, surf right, the whole way. As you get closer to Oahu, the current changes, basically, and the wind changes direction a little bit more, so it gets more and more from your side, so it's from your right shoulder as yeah. you get closer. And j- the current does a lot of things. First of all, there's, there's a lot going on. So there's it's getting shallower, yeah, and there's currents running off the island. So you're basically you're getting into messier water and you start to get backwash off the cliffs as you get closer to the island. Yeah. You come from this open, deep open open water into this shallower, backwashy zone, I guess. And it's not even as you get to the wall. It's about the te- probably the 10 kilometres before you get to the wall that you start to feel the effects. Just as it starts, just as it feels like you're starting to get close to the finish. Yeah. Man, it's always so hard. Especially, to be honest, this 2019 was the worst I've ever had coming into the wall felt like it was a headwind because we had a really good wind the whole way but so what happens is the wind wraps around the island so instead of being over your right shoulder it's more like coming in front of you and across like this so straight across your board you still have to go in towards the island but everything is pulling you pulling you out and away from it so yeah. it's just so it's a horrible way to finish basically oh man it's it's an evil race but that's <laughs> sort of you know it's why it's such a it's special why race, it's such yeah. a special race because everything converges like it's actually a pretty nice race, the first 30Ks, if conditions <laughs> are good. But it's the last probably 15, 20Ks that that's when the race begins. And you've, you've heard Travis talk about it. Mm. The race begins at China Wall. Yeah. Anyone can downwind, but can you figure out what's <laughs> going on in that? The backwash, the current, the wind from the side, turn around the corner, the wind head on, you've got the waves. It's actually it's got almost, it'd be a good bop course because there are waves, that last section with that headwind. Yeah. And on the right day. You do a little M-shaped course on the 17-footers? Why not? You know, the first year I did it, 2016, it was bombing. Yeah. Like, it was eight proper eight-foot Hawaiian. Is that that famous year with Trav going down the face? Exactly. Coming past China Walls? Yeah. 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 And that's that's what, could, what it can be like. Or it yeah. can be flat and just a straight upwinder. Yeah. So it's, that's the other challenge, you know, conditions. <laughs> there was no wind that year, but the swell was massive. You know, so it's... Are you ever doing it on a foil? I would, man, they like Spencer's and they, Kai, they, have they tempted you? Oh, absolutely. That Kai flew past me just as we're coming to China Wall, and I'm in this massive hole this year. You know, you're coming, you've just had 30Ks of beautiful downwind. You've been paling into the wind for 10, like crosswind, messy water for 10Ks, and then Kai flies past in the foil and pumps to the finish. <laughs> and you're thinking... How far behind you did they start? Oh. Like, what was the time gap? Oh, it was like two hours faster, I think, or an hour and a half faster. Wow. Like, it's not even... I was, people compare it like, you know, you reckon you can go faster than a fall? I'm like, mate, it's like the difference between different walking sport. and cycling. Yeah. You know, it's like you're comparing apples and oranges. It's yeah, so different. Um, but would you give up the sup side of it or are you, if because they keep running at the same time. That's what I was going to say. You've got to switch weekends yeah. or switch days. I'd love, like like I was saying, 12 Towers down a great initiative. You know, you got yeah. your sup, you got your tech race and you got your foil race all on three different times and we yeah. can all do it all. And it's going to be probably one of the more 
um, participated foil race this this weekend just because the of biggest that. one ever in Australia. I think. Yeah, well, King of the Cut I think had twelve, so we have All to beat right, that. We got to beat the dozen. Yeah, got to beat the dozen. Get the boys out there tomorrow. Marcus Tardry keeps telling me how good <laughs> King of the Cut is. I'm like, mate, I love King of the Cut, but don't discount yeah. the Goldie when it gets windy. Oh, we got a good run here. Yeah. So, will you do foil one day? For sure, I yeah. definitely want to do it. I was tempted, still am tempted to do it 2020, but I'd love to, I'd love to back it up as a, you know, defend my crown for my yeah. guy. I got it. I, it's, I'm, I'm 100% paddling and if they change the days and I'll foil it as well. But I wouldn't compromise my, I've worked too hard in stand-up paddling on the Unlimited, too much R&D, too much time over there to just mm. go and do a completely different race, basically. It's a, it's a two hour, two and a half hour race, the foil. Like, yeah, it's, it's a sprint. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, that's a good distance for a, a foil downwinder, I think. 52Ks. How strong are your legs? How are you pumping for two and a half hours? What's oh. the longest foil you've done? Longest foil earlier this year. Foil for the fires. Oh, of course. Marcus Tardy and I, yes. I, I got 108 kilometers. Six, six hours and it wasn't nice conditions. Um, we got to 50Ks and went, oh, that's Molokai. We got another one of them to go. <laughs> so You've been pretty busy off the water. You're doing a lot of cool stuff. This is what I like that um, you're kicking us on the water, but... You've been one of the most um, proactive paddlers off it, raising funds for various things, a lot of them very close to your heart. Yeah. But the foil for the fireys, obviously we had a gnarly summer with the bushfires in Australia. Crazy. So you boys got together and, um, or Mar it was Marcus's yeah, initiative, Marcus's, right? Yeah. Tell us what you did. So Marcus in WA saw all the bushfires happening on the East Coast. He, he wanted to donate, but wasn't a substantial amount. Well, not what he wanted to be able to, uh, you know, put towards it. So he's was talking to me about, you know, what can I do? And he's, he came up with, well, I'm going to, I'm going to foil from, his original plan was 90 kilometers. So it was going to go from the start of the King of the Cut to the finish of the Doctor, which yeah. is 90 kilometers. Um, so his plan was to foil 90 kilometers and raise money, basically to try and raise get a donations. Of, yeah, get donations to go towards, you know, any bushfire relief. Basically he was really passionate. He's quite a, Greeny Marcus, he's into his wildlife. You know, yeah. hundreds of thousands of hectares of national park were wiped out. So lots of mm. you know, all our native animals like koalas have really taken a really big hit because they're just not mobile enough. The kangaroos and you know all the yeah. all the iconic Aussie animals. Koalas are, being, are definitely not mobile. <laughs> they're very <laughs> slow. <laughs> they're drugged up on eucalyptus. <laughs> but they're yeah. So basically, all it was decimated. But then all people's homes and mm. the, and then the you know all the it was a gnarly summer. The rural fire service as well, you know, putting just well uh, in over their head that that they're a volunteer organisation and they have yeah. and there's fires all every in every in every state just about and it was the, like the size of some countries was on fire essentially yeah. in Australia. It was ridiculous. So you know, being on the east coast, heaps of media. The media was massive, but for for a good reason. It was mm. unprecedented. Like every well, Melbourne got massive fire uh, smoke from during the yeah. Australian Open, and that was a big concern for the Australian Open. Um, cricket matches in Sydney. We had, in Sydney, we've had smoke. We had smoke from November, sort of on and off until pretty much when it did the, the foil for the fires in, in um, when was it, January? Yeah. Yeah. So, and ironically, when we did the foil for the fires, Massive floods, <laughs> yeah. huge, and there was a cyclone. What's wrong with this country? There was a cyclone in the northwest WA, and that's actually one of the reasons. Um, Jack's one of the 
one of the one of our support teams, she could actually she drove the trailer for us, so we didn't have to drive back up to Bunbury to. Yeah. So yeah, what we did was we 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 raised money to drum it up as best we could on Instagram and social media to get to just to raise as much money as we could, and we foiled from Bunbury to just past Mandra, basically. Yeah. Which was a hundred kilometers, and we did it to raise awareness for the bushfires and to raise money for it. And yeah. I think we raised, I think it was three grand, three three and a half grand kind of thing. Um, Marcus originally wanted to raise, I think it was a thousand bucks. I'm like, Mac, you got to bump it up. Yeah. I started, you got to bump it up to five. And he's like, oh, I don't want to not, not reach my goal. So we, he, I think we raised three, three, three and a bit grand. Yeah. Which is good. Awesome. And, and it was a really big challenge for us. And we, I really enjoyed it. Marcus did too, but he's like, I'm never doing that again. I'm like, we should do it every year. But, um, so what was it like? Going beyond the good cause it was for just the actual foil itself for 100Ks. How the freaking hell did you do that? Yeah, so... Um, how, many, how many breaks did you have to take? Like you couldn't have gone non-stop. No, we don't, the conditions were ordinary. Really not great. So we yeah, for, for that long in the water, we wanted to... Marcus, first and foremost, just wanted to finish. He, didn't want to, he wasn't yeah. worried about time or anything. The reason we didn't do Mandra to Hillary's, which is where the doctor finishes and the king of the cut starts, is because there's so much seaweed at the moment. Oh, yeah. Maybe from the warmer water temperatures or the or more storms. Going over the handlebars on the floor. Oh, mate. It, not even going over the handlebars. That'd be better if you did. But if this is your mast, th this ribbon weed, like sort of your finger width, just gets stuck on the mast. And it's just like, it's like driving and then slowly pulling the handbrake on just a little bit, <laughs> just a little bit more, just a little bit more. Or if you're riding your bike and your brake's stuck on. Yeah. It's like that. So you, you might be going down this, like going down a hill and then all of a sudden you come to almost, you just drop. Yeah. So it's, oh, I it was frustrating and Marcus was so stressing so much about that because he'd been doing lots of local runs in Perth and there was just no, he, he couldn't do a kilometre without having to stop and flip his foil over and get the weed off. So he was, re that's why we went, that's why we started in Bunbury because there wasn't supposed to be as much weed. Here's a shot of your boys at the finish or the start. Yeah, that was when we hit 90 kilometres. So we hit our target or Marcus's target of 90 Ks. Yep. And um, I was in his ear like, mate, we're not doing 90. We've got to get to 100. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? 90 yeah. kilometers. What is this? Triple figures. Up. Triple figures. So that was that was just, that was on the King of the Cut course right there. And that was at about probably 1.30, 2 o'clock. So we'd been going for five, four and a half, five hours there. Yep. Well, probably five hours there, five and a half. And um, I was stoked. You can see the conditions are awesome there. And that isn't what it was like the whole time. Interestingly enough, the first um, 30Ks was really bad. Light winds. Where, where's this one? That again, that's at the end. Yeah. That's <laughs> <laughs> so you were having fun at the finish. At the end, yeah. Ironically, the first 30Ks was hard. The middle 30Ks was starting to get better. And the last 40 was awesome. Yep. So this was probably the start of that last sort of 30 kilometers. So that was just about as so we're about to hit the start of the King of the Cut run. Yeah. So it's... The, the angle the coast runs there and the, the time of day we hit it, um, everything was awesome at that stage. Yeah. Has anyone in Australia been foiling longer than you? I'm pretty sure I've never seen anyone post more foiling videos on Instagram than yeah, you. I'm, I'm Maybe like Kai. I'm pretty obsessed. You must be up there with the most prolific foilers in the world. I know Jake Jensen and I pretty much bought a GoFoil at the same time, but he's kind of... So you were the first two in Oz? I, I think so. Like GoFoil was definitely one of the first, there, you know, kite foilers in Sydney, but for surf foiling, I think, and sup foiling, I think we were the first yep. to be doing it. What, in, when in was that? Because this is the newest sport in the ocean. Yeah. This You're like a veteran of it already. Yeah. Yeah, mate, I've been doing it for ages. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I think it was three years ago. Or three years ago in October. Yep. Yeah, so three, getting to three, coming close to three and a half years now. So... That must have been right after Kai, because Kai did that famous video on yeah, the... Um, exactly. Right. So we saw that, and we... No, we, we didn't know where to get him. And then yeah, we had... It was like May or June he did that. Yeah. And then I was hanging out with the Spencer boys, Jeffrey and Finn, and yeah. they were still writing GoFoil. Then they said, oh, you should chat to Alex, Alex Aguera from GoFoil. And um, so I introduced, they introduced me to him, and he, he lent Vinny and I, because I was there for, the, for a photo shoot, he lent Vinny and I a, a GoFoil set up with a, with a stand-up board, and we, we messed around on that for the whole week. Just yeah. we literally one of us go out in a race ball, the other person out on, on the foil board and we just 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 ate shit. Yeah. <laughs> we just we pounded ourselves like out in the So out even you struggled in the beginning. Oh mate. That people gives me some it, comfort from what's happened to me the past few weeks. People have got it easy now. All the foils are so much more user friendly. <laughs> what we started with, you know, we yeah. started with a Kai, the, the, like a surf wing. Yeah. A tiny so you had to be going so fast just to get the, the lead. So you were downwinding on a little nimble surf. Yeah, we, I, we we tried to downwind on that. We were just we were just in the waves to start with. I, yeah. I tried that December, so I got the got the wing in October in Australia, and then that December I went brought it to WA, and I tried a couple downwinders, me and Matt Nottich, and it was I got up once and flew for about maybe 150 meters. Yeah, and it was a long half cut. <laughs> yeah, we did. I think we got halfway through the half cut, so we did a quarter cut, and it was mainly paddling on a seven foot. <laughs> It's up most of the time. The thing, foil downwinding can either be the funnest thing in the world or just the worst. Oh, You're either it. flying at 25k an hour or paddling a boogie board at like two kilometers an hour. And I think that's the appeal of it as well because it can be so good, mm. but it's hard to get it good. And you got to put a lot of time in to get good at it. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's, it's, people don't like things that are too easy. You know, yeah. If it's too easy, there's no reward. It's like, you know, you're doing the Yukon. You do something really hard. <laughs> everything else feels really good. You do Molokai yeah. and it's like, okay, that was a good downwinder, but that's a Maliko run. You do Molokai and you got to earn it. You paddle into a headwind to finish mm. for like three or four Ks after paddling 50 Ks. Yeah. Because there's that, that bit of sweat. You got to have that bit of grit to really enjoy the good times. That's why I, that's why I think that foiling's taken off because it is hard. Yeah. But it's not so hard that it's impossible. Yeah. Mm. I guess it's a really good point. The challenge, because I've been getting into falling lately. And when I first started, it felt like I was a little kid trying to learn how to surf again. It's very humbling. Oh. But after you get over that hump, not only is it this amazing, like you're riding a magic carpet, it feels mm. amazing, but the reward, it's like, wow, I, I learned something. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And that's what I was saying. Like Vinny and I, we ate shit for a week. Yeah. Just, and when we finally started to get a bit of lift and we're like, wow, this is awesome. And you get that feeling and it's just... Um, Benny Martin ever in WA has coined the term foil brain. Yeah. You just get obsessed. Like yeah. I see everyone do it. When I, I did the same thing. When you first get that flight and you've got mm -hmm. your setup, all you want to do is foil. That October, I got a foil board and I foiled from King of the Cut basically because I've got to get in the race board again. From King of the Cut through till March, I didn't touch any other craft. <laughs> <laughs> I was on a foil board and a foil board only. I got a sub foil board, then I finally converted a one of those to a prone fall board and I went through the sort of same learning curve on the prone fall board and it was just like starting to foil again being on the prone and yeah, it's yeah. It's, now I'm a bit more balanced despite my Instagram. Um, <laughs> people like to watch foiling, I think. You know? I think it's, uh, well, give us for people that, for me basically, mm. but for everyone else listening, how do you go from playing around the surf on a foil to doing a downwinder? Because I might be doing my maiden downwind run tomorrow yeah. in a downwind race. So you're fit, mate. You've done the Yukon. <laughs> the, the main thing is you just got to paddle really you hard. see how slow I did the Yukon? 
<laughs> well, you could do the twelve hours muster really slowly too. I mean, yeah, I'll get there. That's not the that's not the worry. I just yeah. like to do it in faster than four hours. Yeah. So basically, from when I learned to now, it's the the equipment has gotten so much better. Mm. One, we're on. I guess. Well, yes and no. So that the fo- the SUP foil boards have gotten a lot smaller, which isn't always better. To get started, a longer board's going to be better. So I yeah. started my first downwind board. I downwinded on was like a seven two, which now is a freaking like a aircraft carrier compared to what we're using now. Yeah, what are you foiling on there? Well, I'm days? on a six o now, six o or a five ten. Yeah, which is a foot is a lot mm. compared to what I st- a foot and a bit is a lot. When you're on in the waves, what are you on? Like in surfing, yeah, yeah, I use the same board. You know what much. I mean? Uh, prone. So. Oh, I got a four six. So four I went six. down to three eleven. I just foiled with Bo O'Brien, and he was on like a three or like two eleven or something. I'm like, how do you? He's even? got an actual boogie board, esky lid. <laughs> That's ridiculous. That and he thing. just carries it around. Like, oh yeah, one for each foot. I'm like, <laughs> it looks like that. They're like slippers. Um, but he's he's and he's doing well. He's getting he's not missing any waves. But so I what's the theory? It's just once you're up, you don't need the board. For me personally, I've I've gone through that sort of go as short as I can and I've come back up. So the shorter the board, once you're up, lighter, less swing weight, um, nothing in front of you, it feels cool. But by going, and if you ever touch down, the short boards have zero forgiveness. You touch down, your nose dive because mm. your nose is, your foot is at the nose. Yeah. So I've now gone a bit longer, two reasons. One, it paddles better. You can just, you can paddle out to the peak now and you can paddle onto a peak wave rather than catching a, sh- a, a foamy on the inside. Yeah. And two, if you do touch down, it's a, it's a surfboard on, or it's a board on the wave and it just glides yeah. rather than touching down and just catching a rail. So they're the two sort of, that's sort of where foiling's kind of gone. You know, you saw Kai ride that basically a skateboard and mm. um, and Nathan Nathan from South Africa, he was using basically a, like literally a skateboard deck, Yeah, but he's not using that most of the time. Yeah, Most of the time he's using... I think I think four six. He was, was actually on a skatey deck. Literally, he skate. It was a it was awesome video. Did he skated down the road in South Africa, with with his foil in his hand, and a screwdriver, I guess, and then stopped, undid his, undid I, the I tracks. Find that video. Yeah, undid the tracks, and then put his foil into the bottom of his board, and then did a dock start and foiled around in a circle onto a wave. And that Nathan was Van Vuren. Van, yeah, I don't know, was it Van Vuren? But yeah, he's a he's he's a. Seriously cool guy to watch, um, Nathan. He he did the first Molokai, and, and to be honest, he gave Kai a really good scare, I think. Um, he didn't win, but he, he was second by a fair bit, I believe. But he didn't do it last year, so I don't know what he's up to now. But he was one of the first guys to be using one of those higher aspect wings. From oh, Van Vuren. Yeah. All right. Point it out for me. Uh, was, stick was, with us folks it was a while ago so keep going back but all these videos he's doing a bloody foil transfer he's a freak you it was probably six months ago so I that could be it that one there that looks looks like a tiny board anyway yeah here it is all right yeah so he's skating down he's got his Give foil second, over I'm his shoulder get this on there <laughs> I saw Kai do something like that in Hossegor where he did like yeah, a transfer he, off the board. Yeah, so he paddled in on a stand-up with a foil basically yeah. attached to his feet and the, the board was like cut out. So he had like a board and it was like split. So it was, and then he just sort of slid out in how, front of the... How are you guys ever doing a sup race again when you're having this much fun? Like yeah. what what, keep, what drives you to, how do you continue I doing think a 14-foot sup race when you know how much it could, fun it could be on a foil? I think it's the competitive drive. You know, we all, you know, foiling's kind of novelty still at the moment. There's no races yet. It's still too early. Mm. And maybe we need to put all our time into 
creating a format instead of doing our training for 14 foot races. But you're right. It's a good question. I ask myself that every day. He is old, mate. <laughs> yeah. Kid from South Africa. This he was Nathan. like top three at uh, Molokai, right? Second. I'm, I'm second? pretty sure he was second. Did he pass Spencer? Was it Jeffrey? Not. He didn't do it last year. Year before. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah so he's so actually on a skatey deck. He's actually like literally on a skatey deck and he's just... Wow. I remember seeing this. I'm like, that's pretty cool. Like just the way... And he does a dock start? Yeah. I expect Freaking wing. kids. Yeah. No worries. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so a guy in WA, Foil Perth, has done the same thing, but he's actually reinforced his skatey deck because it looks like there's a little bit of flex when he pushes down with that front foot. That is insane. Yeah. Could you downwind on something like this if you could get going? <laughs> you were. Yeah, you could tow in on it, but good luck paddling it back <laughs> up. <laughs> then what's he skate home? Yeah. Yep. Oh my god. It's a pretty cool clip. That's insane. Yeah, I remember seeing that, and I was like, that's "Wow, cool. so that's that's the bottom end. That's where everyone went." But yeah, he's <laughs> he's not using that skateboard deck in the surf. He's doing yeah. it for dock starts, and even then, you can see the flex mm. in the deck. Like skaties aren't the stiffest. Yeah, yeah. Construction. So I think he's. Not everyone's doing so. If so there's much a that. normal person listening that's not a freakish like 17 year old South African or yourself, how do you get into this? What's the easiest way? Behind the boat or an e-foil. So mm. yeah, I tried one of those in Europe. That was fun. Yeah, they're good, right? Yeah, and they're like I've never I've e-foiled once before, and I've foiled a fair bit. But the learning curve was for me like a couple of minutes. I had a mate who was filming, and he he'd never foiled in his life before. Yeah. He went out afterwards and gave it a go. And he learned it about probably 15 minutes on yep. the water. Just, you know, you got, you got your, your trigger in your hands for your speed and you press up gears or down gears to go faster or slower. And you sort of get on your knees and you start planing on the board, get up to your feet, up the gears. Yeah. And you just sort of start to lift. And it's like, what the? And you see it. It's, it's awesome to see because behind the boat is great, but there's a lot of things like the wake and the driver. Mm make a big difference. So if you've got a bad driver, then the person's just going to get like yanked <laughs> off. They're not ready because they're getting pulled. Can you do cable ski or are they too fast? I'm we sure tried to do it at the Starboard HQ. They've got a cable park there. I'm sure you could. You could get a foil that would fit that speed, but for sure slower to start with is better. Mm. Yeah. All right. So for anyone that doesn't have a $15,000 e-foil at their mate's place, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what's the uh, behind a boat? And then how do you start? Is in the waves easy? Don't start, to, don't, don't learn to foil in the waves because basically behind a boat you get, so I teach a bit of it at home and I'll, if I can organise a boat I do, otherwise I'll get um, a friend of mine, Andrew, Andrew Allen at Balmoral Paddle Surf to, to just tow them behind, he'll teach behind a boat because basically half an hour session behind the boat is like about probably three weeks of trying to foil in the waves, probably, probably six or seven sessions in the waves because you have that time on the foil and you're figuring out how to stay high or how to stay low. And you got mm. that whole lift, then you can start to turn behind the boat. And it's all in a controlled environment. In the waves, 90% of the time you're paddling around trying to catch a wave. And when yeah. you do catch a wave, you're taking off on this steep space. It's the hardest part of foiling is the takeoff. And that's when you learn to foil and surf, that's what you've got to deal with. Yeah. You've got to start here and you've got to drop down. Which, when you... That's the one thing you don't want to do when you're learning to foil. So, yeah. behind a boat, you get the feeling of foiling. And then you progress to, I guess, tiny soft waves without too steep a takeoff and then you can try to sort of learn in the waves but yeah i know people that have tried to learn without going behind a boat or without any or i tried to learn like that too and it's hard it takes 
takes weeks. Yeah. Every day. Or it takes, I'd say, 14 days in the surf on a foil and you finally get it maybe in the 14th day. Yeah. One, one session behind the boat, you're probably skipping 10 of those days. Yeah. So it's, if you can, <laughs> get behind a boat. But <laughs> I saw Piros doing like a bungee. Oh, we, we, uh, we tried that a couple of days ago here as well uh, with Jack on the crew. We were trying to basically do a, um, yeah, you just get a massive bungee cable, run it off something and yeah. try and get a slingshot start. And how'd it go? We need a much bigger cable. Mm. We had like three meters of pull, like three meters of torque, and then it just went slack. You need a bigger wing. Uh, no, we, didn't. <laughs> we definitely needed a bigger cable. But the theory, I've seen those guys do it up there. And um, yeah, looks fun. Yeah. I think that could actually, Jack on the crew here, are obsessed with this idea of yeah. doing flat water foil racing with bungee cables or like with winches or something to pull you off at the start and get some uh, some speed going. Yeah, I was chatting to him yesterday about it. And Reckon it'd work? I think it's possible, but a lot of things are possible and it may not be the best way to be doing it. <laughs> yeah. It's an option. It would be a novelty. I saw there was a foil race um, in Florida soon. It's called the Foil Surf Race League. Yeah. And their, their format is a beach start. So you're running as prone boards, which a beach start with a foil is not the nicest way to be starting, but... That's what we all do when we surf. We all paddle out. Yeah. So that's how they're starting. And you've got to basically paddle out around the can and you've got to catch a wave and you have to pump between one spot and another spot. And yeah. if you can pump back, that's better. Or if you can't pump back, you've got to get back to the beach and then run along the beach and then paddle back out and get another wave. And you've got to do like three laps or something. I don't have a full... It looks yeah. like a cool... It's the first sort of r proper race I've seen Yeah. for foil surf technical sort of style races. What's your take on foiling being a racing sport versus just a purely leisurely pursuit? I had this philosophical debate with Kalama. He was he was he was actually worried that foiling was gonna go too niche and like everyone wanted to race, whereas it's yeah. you know all about the glide and the the first race I did in Hawaii, foil racing, like the first few years downwind foiling for me was just like you're just surfing. You're mm -hmm. linking bumps and it's unreal. Then there started to be foil racing, talk of downwind foil racing, cool, let's do it. Yeah. Um, and then I did my first race and I was surfing between bumps. Like I was when I was having fun. Everyone else was just pumping over bumps. Yeah. And I was like, what the hell? This isn't fun anymore. And like I remember chatting to Marcus about it. And I'm like, fall racing's dead, mate. It's <laughs> What's the point? You know, it's just, yeah. it's like, what's, what's, what's the, we may as well be racing stand-ups again. You're just paddling hard. You know, yeah. you're paddling and you're pumping hard, which is, Kind of the way it's gone, but I was also on a, an older wing. I was on the Maliko 200, and now the higher aspect wings, it makes it a lot easier to pump. So it's mm. still work, but it's less work, and it glides better, and you can go over bumps easier. Um, so the gear's come a long way, but it is still racing. Like, yeah, racing's always going to be hard. It's not going to be an easy, leisurely, you know. Is it an arms race at the moment? I've, I reckon it is. And, and not so much an arms race. Like, there's not one that's going to be the best all the time because the ocean is an ever-changing you know, medium. It's always, there's, there's wind, there's even weed, there's swell, there's, and you've got to bring into account your weight, the weight of your gear, the weight of your board. Dave Kalama's 90 kilos, I'm 80 kilos, Kai's 70 kilos. Yeah, so if we're all using, boy. If we're all using the exact same wing, yeah. then if it's a super windy day, Dave's going to have the best advantage. Yeah. If it's a super light day, Kai's going to have the best advantage. Yeah. And it just sort of swings between it like this. But in reality, that's kind of cool too. Yeah. Because not the same person's going to win all the time. Have they figured out 
the best foil yet or are we in like this massive i think they've come a long way and they've made some really big steps yeah um because you work closely with GoFoil, like on giving them feedback, R&D. Yeah. So originally there was just the Kai and then there was the Maliko, like a blue flat wing. Yeah. And then they scrapped that Maliko and made it an Eva. And then and Eva, then Maliko 200 and Maliko 280. And now they've sort of kind of gone back to that original design, a higher aspect flat wing. And they've called it the GL, GL series. So there's a 180, a 210 and a 240. And they're much faster wings and the, the difference between the Eva and the, or the Maliko 200 and the go for the GL 180. Yeah. In terms of speed, direct speed, not for learning. I definitely still think that those Maliko 200 and the Evas are better for learning because they have more lift, but in terms of pure speed that like for the exact same run, 10 kilometer run, I'll go about exact same conditions. I'll go probably eight minutes faster. Yeah. So I'm doing was pushing 19, 20 Ks an hour on a good run. And now I'm pushing, probably 20, 24 to 25 k's per hour. So straight away. Is there going to be a limit, you think? How fast are we going to go on this? Well, it's all limited to how how fast a wing you can get to lift up because we've got to get up on our own speeds. Yeah. I was chatting to um, Benny Tarja about it earlier today and, you know, you people look at, you know, sail GP and, you know, all the, the foiling they're doing, but they've got a massive sail and if it's windy, <laughs> they just put a faster wing on. How fast are they going? I don't know. I honestly don't know, but like 40, 50 knots. What's that? That's like 100 k's per hour, isn't it? That's. Uh, I'm not a say. Come on, you're the meteorologist. Yeah, I think it's at least double. 50 knots in kilometer per hour. Yeah. Yeah, 92 k an hour. Yeah, and so that's how fast foils. So go. they're going 90 k an hour on a foil boat. They're going fast. I'm, don't quote that's me on insane. that, but they're going they're going a lot quicker than we are. Even like we're walking speed compared to what they're doing. They're like hyper speed. They're moving. But like foils, you can get foils that go that fast, but we're limited to being able to paddle up on the wing. So I feel like maybe, you know, the, the, for us, I think the next barrier is th- a 30K per hour average. I'm finding 40 knots on here for 40 top knots. speed. For, that's macking. That's, that's 75, insane. 80Ks per hour. And we're going max 25? Our top speeds, I think people are like downwind, they're getting close to 40Ks per hour. So, yeah. Yeah. But that's like, that's a spike and then yeah. probably a big splash afterwards. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. what's, uh, what's next for you this year? 12 towers this weekend. 12 towers, yeah. You're going back to Molokai, aren't you? Of course. Molokai is definitely my main. It gets hot in here, doesn't it? It's my main goal. It's made stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Feeling the pressure. <laughs> um, back to Molokai. Molokai is the main goal. That's the first six months. That's, you, that's what I like to focus on too. I enjoy training for it. Mm. Um, I love downwinding and I love a lot of people don't like the logistics of downwinding. How do you train? What's your training? I just try and downwind as much as I can. So you, you got fun training. Oh, you got to make you're it not, fun. You're not in the gym. I'm not running laps. I, I, I do a bit of that. I do a bit of not so much gym and heavyweight stuff, but I do like, um, you know, bands and stretching and that sort of stuff. Um, I don't run a lot. I'll, I'll cycle a bit when I have to downwind because I'll downwind, drop a car and cycle back or whatever it is. So I try to, but I try, I, I try to trick myself into training hard. If yeah. that makes sense. You know, so surf racing's fun because you paddle out, turn around, catch mm. a wave. Yeah. But the effort you expend paddling out through the waves is a lot. Yeah. But you're tricking yourself, you know, whereas paddling in flat water, which probably why I'm not very good at flat water races, <laughs> but when you paddle in flat water, it's like, man, this is hard work. And this is, mm. this isn't fun. This is just grinding. This is building your mental strength for sure. But I don't enjoy it. And life's too short to do things you don't enjoy. 
Yeah. You know? So I, if you can, downwind, usually Molokai is an ocean race. Usually it's there's bumps. Yeah. On the good good years, it's it's downwind. So I try to get out in conditions that are most similar to Molokai, which is downwind conditions. So and in in Sydney, we're lucky enough that we don't have a perfect downwinder. There's heaps of backwash. It's messy. So we've got a pretty good playground to, to train for Molokai because it's messy downwinders and it's in winter we get big southerlies. Mm. And sometimes we get northeasterlies as well. So you can drive up, paddle back from the nor'easter, then the next day paddle out, p- paddle and then paddle back to your car. Yeah. That's the dream. <laughs> so we've got it. We've the got up and down window. <laughs> yeah. So we've got, we got a downwind ute. Like the yeah. Sydney paddle so far, we've got... You just leave it there? Yeah, we just it's just a ute that people... Where'd you leave it? Left it here and left it really? left the, the, the golf club, left it at Palm Beach. Wow. And it just, you know, you don't leave it for too long. You do it <laughs> when you know there's a wind coming both ways. Yeah. But um, sometimes we leave it for a little bit long. That's usually my fault. Yeah. But Jason Kennett, a good mate of mine, <laughs> who, who bought the downwind ute and sort of donated it to the club. We, you know, we always, there's three seats in it. We try to, you know, team up with everyone and. Yeah. Yeah. That's. Wow. That's, that's cool. Yeah. That's, that's how I try to train. Like, so just before I left, I'd. For, for 12 towers, I was training. I drove up the coast, paddled out because I knew a subway was coming the next day. So no, it was a light nor'easter, mm. but it motivates you to get out, bit out there because you can drop the car and you can paddle back in a good subway the next day. So you paddle out, do your 10, 12 Ks back downwind. Yeah, right. And then you, the next day, you wake up, subway's not here yet. All right, go do a bit of work, come back in, subway's hit, paddle out. Paddle back to the ute, drive pick up back. the ute. Yeah. So it's too easy. It's the dream, mate. That, that's the secret. Wow. <laughs> So you speaking of Molokai, you had a big motivation last year yep. when you won it. Yeah. Your dad got unfortunately very ill. He got cancer. Yeah. Just really close to the race. Wasn't yeah. It? So it was March he got it. So just as I was sort of starting to train, so I was doing, I was actually in Hawaii doing a doing a sunset event, mm. and he was complaining of like an earache. Um, he actually we went to a sort of a secret spot in Maui and surfed surfed there, and he was like, "You're gonna come out?" He's like, "Nah, I'm just gonna watch." So we just sat there and watched and sort of. Was running safety for me from the beach. Came yeah. in and like then we ended up surfing the harbor afterwards, and then went to North Shore and did the event. Then then we flew home, and Dad was still complaining about his ear, so he went to the doctor, and the doctor thought it was just wax in his ear, so he drained it with a candle, mm. and then Dad was like, "That wasn't it. I think it was more than just ear wax." Went to the doctor again, got scans, and found he had a, a tumor at the bottom of his skull, basically in his cerebellum. Um, yeah. so that's a spot that you can't really operate on. It's the top of the spine. It's where the spine and the brain basically meet. Mm. So he, they did do surgery just to, cause they did all these tests. They couldn't find out what it was. So they opened him up. He had brain surgery just to sort of see what it was. And they got out as much as they could, mm. but you're messing with a lot of stuff in the brain. You can't yeah. dig stuff out without having consequences. So they didn't take out a lot cause they couldn't. Um, he was really worried before brain surgery even because yeah. he was worried that he's, he got us to sign wills and all this sort of stuff because he was worried that he, he could come out as a vegetable. Yeah. Seriously, because surgeries are scary. So he had that and then he started chemo right away. So he had two weeks rest after the his brain being opened, had a big zipper down the back of his skull. Wow. Yeah. And then straight into chemo, or radiation and then chemo. And yeah, it's been a long journey. It's been, it's been a year and he's sort of been going through the processes and he had the radiation chemo and then he started a new chemo now that's, we don't know if it's working. So yeah. It's tricky. Yeah. So he it's was, he was really bad 
in June last year, just before I left for Molokai, he was on a walking frame basically. So he progressively he was walking around, but a bit woozy. His vision was blurred, so that mm. he's not in pain. But he can't if he's looking at you straight ahead. You'll yeah. see two of you. So he's got this double vision. So he's like, he used to talk about like, he's got this, he's like, where, where you saw that when he first had the surgery? He's like, oh, I'm sore like here. Yeah. On my second head. <laughs> so I was like. Glad uh, he's kept his sense of humor. Yeah. And he has. And he's, he's always had a pretty dry sense of humor. But, um, and he was a, f- he's a fit bloke. Like that's oh, he's the, done, he's like, he was a triathlete or what? He's, he did the Hawaiian Ironman. Um, so qualified, you know, 5k swim. The full on Hawaiian The full, Ironman. full Ironman. Yeah. When I was, and he did Molokai after that and then did a bunch of, um, he did, yeah, Molokai to Oahu as a team. He's towed jaws, paddled in at the outer reefs in Maui. Um, he's a, he was ma- inspiration to me big time, um, growing up and yeah, it's really sad to see him how he is, but everyone goes through Like everyone knows someone who's got cancer and that's, mm. I guess why for Molokai, why I wanted to raise money for it especially brain cancer they don't know a lot about. Yeah. Um, and that's become more and more clear that long we've gone through the treatment with him just because it's trial and error. Every cancer is different and every brain cancer is different, more and more different. Yeah. And they don't really know what it is that's causing what and what's actually working and what's not working. And, and you raised a lot of money. Yeah. It became a I big thing. So I, I literally, like I was internally, I was obviously really sad. Mm. Um, but I was sort of grappling with it. So we learned about it in March. So March, April, May, June. So three months I was sort of processing it and, and my girlfriend was helping a lot. And she's like, you know, you, you want to talk about it? I'm like, no, I'm fine. He'll be, he'll be okay. He'll be okay. And yeah. brain cancer, like, I think it's, it's a not, don't Google it. <laughs> well, I didn't, yeah. I shouldn't have Googled it, but it was like 90% of people with brain cancer die. Yeah. It's just the way it is. It's, it's not an easy one to treat. Mm. And so my girlfriend was like, you got to start talking about it kind of thing. And so I started talking to her about it and, and I spoke before I left for Hawaii. I'm like, Dad, I want to raise some money for you. Yeah. And he got really emotional. And um, when I was literally boarding the flight to Hawaii for Molokai, I, w- I didn't do the full month of July because with Dad being sick, I wanted to be there with him. Um, so it was two weeks out from Molokai and I was boarding the flight to go to Hawaii by myself. And I was sitting at the gate and I'm like, oh, I should post it. I should post it. I want to raise money for it. So I got on the plane. I posted it, got on the plane. What yeah. was holding you back from posting it? I didn't want to talk about it. Yeah. It was just when I talked about it, I got sad. And mm. when I didn't want the people's pity either. Yeah. I guess. When people ask, how's he going? It's like, well, not good. Yeah. You know? And that doesn't make me feel good and doesn't even when people ask, I feel I don't want to make them feel sad either. Yeah. Like ideally I want to say, Yeah, he's better. But yeah. he's not. He's shit. It's 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 fucked. You know? It's really not a good situation, but it's just the way it is and people deal with it and like I was saying, everyone knows someone who's probably gone through it. And the, once I posted that, I realised a lot of people out there had been through something like that. Yeah. So. How much did that motivate you during the race? Oh, massively. Yeah. Yeah. Huge. And the, the battle I had with Boothy, mm. it was pretty back and forth, you know. And there are times when I'm like, man, <laughs> maybe I'm not going to be able to do it. You yeah. Know? But I was like, well, I've got to try. You know, I'm here. I've done everything. Dad can't be, and dad was on the boat the previous year in 20, um, the year I got third, so 2018. Yeah. And whenever I got a good bump, he would go, oh yeah. Just yeah. Say, oh yeah. <laughs> and so it just really, and I had that in the back of my head, my sister and 
her husband now were on the boat and they were screaming out, oh, yeah, when they got a good yeah. one, which was really nice. Um, but a lot of the lead up, like a lot of that took up a lot of my time thinking about it and mm. definitely like it prepared me mentally for the race. During the race, definitely it helped. But I'm, if I'm in a, especially if it's a downwind race, I'm pretty motivated as it is already. Like you can only go as hard as you can. There's a bump in front. You're not going to paddle faster to paddle into the bump. You just got to wait it out. It's more about focus. So by thinking too much about, mm. you know, dad at home, it wasn't helping me go faster. Yeah. But it's more when you hit the headwind, <laughs> you know, I got to paddle as hard as I can. But by then I was stuffed. You know, every, we, I'd had a big enough gap on booth, you know, it didn't matter so much. But my, actually my escort and um, sister were pushing me to get the record. And I was like three minutes off it. Like, come on, you got this, you got this. And I'm like, yeah, but how far back is Boothie? <laughs> <laughs> I don't really care about the record. You can have your record. Like, I, like all credit to Trav, he's an animal. But, and like, obviously, a lot of people got the record that year. But I wasn't, I was racing Boothie. Yeah. That was what I was doing. I wanted to win the race. And it was neck and neck for a while there, right? The first, probably three hours, two, two and a half, three hours of a four-hour race. Um, and he was leading for a lot of that first two hours, but yep. probably the first hour he was in front and it was back and forth. Um, but I kind of went in with the game plan knowing I, I knew Boothie would be better in the first half of the race. Yeah. The bumps are smaller, which means you, it comes down. It's more of a paddling race. You know, the first five, 10 Ks it's there's smaller bumps. So mm. it's more like a hood river than it is a Maliko run Yeah, because you're coming. It's an offshore breeze from Molokai. As you get into that sort of next stage, it becomes more surfing bumps. And it actually it got really good this year. The, the middle 20Ks was probably the best I've had it in yeah. the last five years. Um, so you were just, it was like a war of attrition with Boothie? Yeah, well, I sort of, um, I call Marcus the turtle. Yeah. When you're downwind, there's, you know, the hare and the tortoise. So I don't know why it's <laughs> the hare and the tortoise, but I call him the turtle. Um, he's the turtle because he isn't sprinting. He's sitting back and waiting everything unfold. Yeah. So going into Molokai... I was staying with Marcus and we talked about that. Like there's so you, you were going to be the turtle against I was going to be the turtle. I'd yeah. let, let him, I, my plan was to let him go out front, yeah. let him lead for a bit and let him, let him set his pace and I'll set my pace and we'll just go from there. I didn't want to let him ever get too far in front, Yeah. but I also was happy sitting behind him, kind of like letting him worry about where I was. I could see him if I, I was paddling up, focusing on myself, if I have a quick look up when I'm on a bump, I could see him and I put, put, look back down. He didn't know where I was. A lot of the time he'd look over his shoulder to see where I was. That doesn't make you get faster downwind. If you're looking where someone else is, especially when you're going like this over your shoulder and then looking back to where you're going, the ocean's changed. If I'm paddling, have a little glance up, a little glance back down, that's not hurting me too much. I tried to limit it because looking up and down doesn't help me, doesn't help me either. But my plan was definitely that happy for him to lead. The race isn't won in the first two hours. So that was for sure... And, and I learned a bit of that from Travis. Yeah. Because I've been in the exact opposite position the year before and the year before that probably too. So you were the hair? Oh yeah, well, I was always the hair because yeah. I felt like I was a, I knew Travis was really good downwind yeah. and I've developed my downwind paddling over the years. But at the, when I first came onto the scene, I was a strong paddler. I wasn't a smart paddler. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like so you just tried to muscle oh, your way through Molokai? 100%. Yeah, yeah. And sounds like a great tactic. <laughs> well, not muscle, but at least put my... my but yeah, just yeah, get just, out of the blocks fast. Yeah, put a bit of pressure on, you know, Trav and Connor. Basically, that was... Um, and it worked for the first half, right? 
worked. That's it. It worked for the first yeah. time. <laughs> so I think doing it a couple of years, y- you learn from that. And, you know, Travis would never say that, but you watch how he paddles and you know that he's paddling smart. And so Travis like the ultimate turtle. Oh, you wouldn't call him a turtle. I think Mark, <laughs> he's got a bit of hair in him, like, yeah. like I do as well. Marcus is the ultimate turtle. You, you yeah. paddle with him in the flat and he's so far back. Yeah. Or even in a, in a crosswind, kind of not even, like paddling out to sea when we'll do training runs. Like, Marcus, I'm going to paddle out a little bit further just to get a little bit more training in. He's like, yep, <laughs> you do that. I'll wait for you here. <laughs> you know? I can see why he's embraced foiling. <laughs> I And I worked on him too. It took yeah. me about a year to get him into foiling. But yeah, exactly. But yeah, there's definitely, it's a good way. I guess it's, because I've been paddling for a little bit longer now. I'm not a veteran like Connor or Travis are, but I've done Molokai five times now and you learn a lot every time you do it. And, yeah. you know, Boothie's only done it once on a stand-up. He's done on a ski plenty of times, but it's much shorter on a ski. Is he coming back this year? Coming back? Boothie's. You want to have, an, have, an, have oh, another yeah. shot at you? He'd have to, wouldn't he? All right, like, I've heard he is. I haven't seen him for a while. Yeah, no, I'd say 100%. He's, he doesn't half do things. Yeah, Boothie, he's he's the ultimate professional, and I respect him massively. And that's that's why it felt so good to win this year, or last year, twenty nineteen. Because as you said, I was racing the world number one, yeah. and you know, he's not well known for downwind, but mate, he is. He's gotten, not too shabby. He's gotten. He's pretty good in everything these days. He's eh? very good downwinding now, and he, like he lives in Perth, and there's downwind in summer. Six days out of seven, you could downwind yeah. paddle. So there's no surprises that he's gotten. Much better at downwind paddling. Well, it's going to be a good battle this year. Then he's, oh, man, you're going to have a big and X it's not on just your back. Him, not just him. You know, there's it's going to be. If you're the boys heading over, mm. have you ever had a race where you ever had the X on your back, or is this the first time you're going well, to? Well, like when that? you were bloody talking about Molokai this year and you labelled me as the favourite, I'm like, whoa, mate, I don't know about yeah. that. Like, Boothie's world number one. Come on. <laughs> no, we're uh, we're all rooting for you for sure. That was a um, I think to say that you were the sentimental favourite would be a huge understatement. Yeah, I guess what I was talking about earlier is when I got on the plane and I posted that thing about my dad, I I think my goal was to raise like five grand. Yeah. Maybe it was a thousand bucks. It was it was I didn't set it too high. I'm like, look, I've got a week before I go to the race. Yeah. I'm not expecting to raise too much money. I probably left it a bit late. I got off the plane, landed in Honolulu, um, then flew to Maui and finally figured out my phone, got the other change SIM cards, had a look, how much have I raised? I'd raised like four and a half grand. Yeah. In like the twelve hour flight. Wow. Like the 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 community, you know, yourself, the it, the not only the paddling community, but you know, the greater the greater community got behind me massively. Yep. And it was really good for me, like I was saying, mentally, I wasn't dealing with it. And lots of people sent messages about the stories that they'd had and sort of made me feel like I wasn't the only person that had ever been through this before. Yeah. Which was massive. And then the lead up to Molokai I did an interview with um with the Molokai to Oahu guys and oh I got really emotional. But it was good for me. Like I felt good about it and I wasn't upset that I was crying like on camera. It was something I had it was like a therapy for me. I had to get it out. Yeah. So that was the day before the race. Wow. <laughs> or the day or the two days before I think it was the day before the That's race. That's a heavy preparation for the race. So I was mentally I'd, I'd got it all out almost before the race. So the day of the race, the people are like, yeah, good luck, I can do it for your dad. I'm like, yeah, I know, I got to do it. I got to yeah. do it for my dad. And actually afterwards, after the race, Kai finished just a bit before me. 
he paddled up to me, gave me a big hug and said, um, your dad was proud of you already, but he'd be even more proud now, which is a really yeah. nice thing for a guy to say. Did you tear up? Oh, I was, I was, getting, I was crying getting. paddling in, mate, over the finish line. Yeah. And I saw my, like my sister and my, my grandparents were there too. So it was, I'm always, actually, I'm always emotional at the end of Molokai because it's a freaking, <laughs> it's a freaking hard race and you always come in. You you're know, pretty flogged either way. Oh, you're pretty flogged either way, but to have, um, that added motivation and having it public as well. Yeah. Like, um, that definitely, it was, wasn't something that I'd always planned on doing, you know, raising money for, for, for cancer, but also raising money because your dad has cancer. Yeah. Something else having to deal with that. Yeah. But it was, I'm st stoked I did it um, and glad I could, I think I ended up raising 20, 26 and a half grand. Wow. Which is. <laughs> so five times, 500% what you were. Yeah. And it was, no, I think I originally wanted to raise 5,200 because it was a hundred bucks. Oh, per kilometer. Per kilometer. Yes. Yeah. That was my goal. I was like, well, that's, I don't know, that's at least got a little story behind it. If someone gives me a hundred bucks, I'm like, thanks. You just helped me along for that one kilometer. Yeah. So I wanted to paddle hard for, for them, you know, for people that were donating and. And for my dad, but also the community that was getting behind, I guess, uh, cancer research. So that was, so yeah, when I, the start line, there was all, there's a lot of pressure. You know, there's a lot of people that not only, like I felt like I had to do it for people that had donated, people that had sent me messages for my dad, for my family, for myself. And I got to the start line and it was just, you know, well, that's all good. I know people are supporting me, but this is now up to me. Yeah. Yeah. I know it's cool that the support was there and you've labeled me favorites. So there's even more <laughs> pressure, <laughs> but you know what? That doesn't matter. People can write or say whatever they want. At the end of the day, the race is won and lost between Molokai and Oahu. Yeah. And the only person doing that is the person on the board. You know, your support crew can help. They can yell at you. They can give you food. They can give you whatever, give you advice. But in the day they say, go left. I could still go right if I wanted to, you yeah. know, if the boat says go this way. Well, yeah. Well, am I going to trust you? Yeah, of course I trust you, but maybe get a bump that goes this way and then I go that way. You know, yeah. so it's end of the day, you've got to make those tiny little decisions along the way. And do you let Boothy lead? Do you let Kenny be close? Do you, you know, do you, do you follow the same line? All these decisions, end of the day, it's up to you're the one steering the board. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it was, I was definitely, you know, game face for that race. It was, I'd, people asking me, are you emotional? And for sure I was at the end. But the first four hours, I was just like any race, any other race, maybe a bit more confidence behind because people had supported me and a bit more self-belief. But yeah. I knew Boothy was going to be, he's a, he's a weapon and he trains hard <laughs> and he doesn't do anything half-hearted, you know, respect to the guy. And, you know, we're mates, we chat, but we're competitive. We're rivals as well. Yeah. You know? I was pretty happy that actually <laughs> I gave it to him at the end of King of the Cut. I said, you know what, mate? I didn't lose to you this year, Padlin. <laughs> <laughs> I remember. And he, and he knew it. Yeah. Yeah. I think you were the only guy in the world that went through the season undefeated against Boothie. Yeah, and I said to him, mate, you just got to pick your races a bit smart. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's going to be a great battle again at the end of July. Um, it's going to be a, a fun race out here this weekend. Mm. Not quite as insane as Molokai, but looks like we're getting some wind for the 12 Towers. It's going to be fun. So if you're listening to this, now, um, tune in. We're going to uh, have a live stream on Sunday for the big ocean race. So it's yep. going to be good fun. I'm pumped. And then before then, hopefully we'll get out there for a foil. Oh, yeah. You're going to have to give me a lesson because I have no clue what I'm doing. Oh, yeah, you're going all right, mate. Oh, I can surf. I don't know about downwinding. Yeah, have you got a board sorted? I actually I got the old 200. 
Go foil. Yeah, what's that's a lot of people. They ask like, it's what should I be using? Wing. And they're asking, just try using like, the new GL. I'm like, well, that's kind of a advanced foil, and you're going pretty quick. You got to go fast to get it up. Yeah. Go to the 200. That those sort of more original foils for learning are perfect. Yeah. Yeah, they're the ones because they're getting that lift. Yeah. No, it's gonna be good fun, but um, it's getting pretty bloody hot in this room. So Sweaty. let's wrap it up there. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure, mate. You've yeah. been uh, doing amazing things on and off the water, and we look forward to following you this season. So. Yeah, it's been fun, and yeah, thanks for thank thank you for sharing the the story. And you're the sort of heart and soul, I reckon, in in stand up paddle racing at the moment. A lot of people last year were a bit lost because there was no posts. Yeah. So yeah, it's um good to see you back and into it, mate. All right, thanks. Yeah. You're gonna make me tear up. So let's <laughs> wrap it up there. All right, thanks for watching, everyone. We'll see you again soon. Get hot in here. Jesus.